This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So come on and let's go and enjoy another episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! Well, all right, it's time for the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, and I am Dr. Funk from Kajagugu, and as always, with me. Oh, yeah! Is Ian Wadley from... Uh, Level 42. Level 42, and uh, original member of Thompson Twins. That's true. I'm the black one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, Ian, do me the honors and tell the people who's here with us this week. Oh, we have our boss, my Capitan from that metal station. Scott Green is with us this week. Hi, Scott. Oh, what's what's up, people? How you all doing? Yeah, Scott Green is the one he said to me the other day, hey, I want to review uh, Slaves to the Grind, make it happen. I said, no. But then, you know, he asked Ian, and that's why we're doing it. Hey, yeah, I didn't, that's exactly, that's I didn't exactly think, why we fucking did it. I, I didn't want to do this shit. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So here we and are. What the fuck? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What the fuck is wrong with Slave to the Grind? Dude? Nothing. I, I, the only thing that's wrong with Slave to the Grind is that you're here reviewing it with us. <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. Don't, don't even start this early in the Come episode. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go at it. Boss. I, I got hey, some hey, things for you. Don't worry. Hey, 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 Scott, thank you for taking time out from not making flip-flops and other stuff with my name on it. Yeah, yeah, with your with your name on it. That's right. I I I, I whore you out like the whore you are. It's it's good. It's good that uh, you took a break from like just putting up uh, you know little necklaces with my picture on and stuff. Thanks, hey man. I, I I figured you were so vain that you would wear all that shit. No, I don't. Dude, I don't. You got you got that wrong. And actually, uh, if I was to wear it, my picture's in the back because you're so vain. You put the metal station on everything in the front. You damn straight because we fucking rock that metal station. Oh my god, that metal station! And we got to thank Marshall Lamps for being the only guy who bought the the Doctor Fuck friendship bracelet that you can buy on thatmetalstation.com. That's right, because he's, he's my friend. <laughs> Unlike Scott that didn't buy one, he just profits off me. Yeah, I just profit off you. That's all it is. I I, I take in all the profits and I spend it on your mom. You're like you're like Yoko Ono. God. (laughs) All right. Everybody calm down before uh, Scott won't make me that Wadzilla fanny pack that everybody wants so bad. Thank God this guy's not going to pick my bones when I die and sell shit with my face on it. Because, you know, there's no way this fucker's going to outlive me. Dude, uh, what are you talking about? G-strings are coming up next week. See, I told you he wasn't funny. (laughs) No, no, that's a great joke, boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Laugh, fuckers! You're fired. <laughs> yeah, right. I fired. That's it. You gotta close down the station. Oh God, dude. Ego. Did you get that thing through the door? Or do you got like a double door? Uh, maybe next Sunday I'll get that joke. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be a no gloves episode. I love it. Uh, I'm gonna fire Scott <laughs> and change the goddamn name that metal station. How about that sucks? <laughs> Uh, Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck off. That's right. You know know this album we're getting ready to review is a lot like your mom, dude. It starts out hard and heavy and then just fucking lays there. Hey, stop with trying to be funny, dude. It's just not working. It's not you. 
Oh, boy. This is going to be a good one. All right. Well, Scott, stop telling jokes and uh, tell these good people how you discovered Slave to the Grind. Now this is going to be funny. Oh, well, I mean, come on, dude. I was an 80s child. I was all about the cock. You know, I mean... I mean, the hairspray and all that different shit, dude. Yeah, I was, was, was. I moved on. I'm not like you, man. I mean, most of your girlfriends, like, when they fucking smile, their teeth look like urinals at Shea Stadium and shit. Wow. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) All right. A little bit of an improvement there. It it was a slight chuckle. Well, you know, I mean, they, they, they had their debut album, you know, debut album, obviously. And uh, it was okay, man, for what it was, man. But when uh, Slave to the Grind come out, man, I heard that that, that uh, release that they put out. Uh, the first release they put out was Slave to the Grind. Um, I believe it was. That's what I heard first. And, man, it, it, it just, it, that's when I was getting into Exodus and, you know, I was getting into more of the, you know, Overkill, uh, Whiplash, different things like that. And uh, I was getting into more speed metal, and it, it, it kind of like went right there with it. And then I heard the rest of the album. All right, all right, Ian. Um, well, I initially hated Skid Row when they came out, which is kind of weird because at the time I, I totally loved all the fucking, you know, cock rock shit that was out. You know, the the Bullet Boys, you know, the Great White, that kind of shit. But for whatever reason, I mean, I guess it was uh, Youth Gone Wild. I just, to me, Youth Gone Wild just sounded fucking stupid. And, and it makes no sense because at the time I thought, you know, uh, and I still do like the song, but like Warrant Down Boys, I was like, ah, oh, that's a good one. But Youth Gone Wild, that's just stupid. And um, You see, you see, Scott, now that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it just never caught on, and I, I remember having a, an issue of Hit Parader, which was like my Bible, and I collected them all. They were sacred, but I like there was an epi- uh, an issue with Sebastian Bach on the cover, and I drew on his face and put all this shit. I just didn't like Skid Row, and then it didn't help when 18 in Life and I Remember You came out because I'm really not a ballad guy. There are, there are some that I love from that era. But for the you most play part, ballads all the time. What ballads do you hear me play? Dude, you have a ballad section in the fucking in, in your shows. So you don't listen to my show. Yeah, <laughs> I, I listen as often as I can. And, and what ballads have you heard? Dude, I heard you fucking play Poison on your show. Don't even fucking go there with 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 and about I, ballads. And, and I played Look What the Cat Dragged In. I didn't play Every Rose Has Its Thorn. Well, that might as well be a fucking ballad. It's Poison. You play fucking Poison on your show? It was on the Cock Rock, uh, it, the only one time you'll hear Poison, that was the Cock Rock Palooza. Oh, Didn't boy. you play Great White, too? Yeah. Yeah, okay, you got room to talk about fucking 18 in life. I'm just saying, it's, it, it, I didn't like it, I'm not a ballad guy, you know? I'm just not. Uh, so I never bought the first album. And in fact, the only reason I saw them live is they were part of, uh, it was a Cock Rock Festival, it was called, uh, uh, what was it, World Series of Rock. Like Hurricane Alice, Bad English, Great White, Skid Row, and uh, White Snake, and I was like, ah, I, I didn't even care to see Skid Row. But then when I saw them live, I thought they put on a great show. It definitely helped that they did a cover of Cold Gin, and uh, you know, I was all excited about that. But my opinion really changed after I saw them live. But still, I didn't go out and buy the album because I just didn't want, you know, the ballad shit. But uh, when I first heard, the first single I heard was the first single, uh, Monkey Business. And when I heard when I heard that, I was like, 
okay, these guys are doing something rare. Usually a band starts out heavier and then gets more pussified. Like, you know, Metallica. You know, they went the other direction and it did cost them some fans. I mean, it, you know, you look at the first album, five times platinum. This one, double platinum. But it did debut at number one uh, because all those girls that loved, uh, you know, 18 and Life and fucking I Remember You, you know, bought it just because it said Skid Row. But I don't think they liked it because, in general, it was a heavier album, even though it's too ballad heavy to me. Um, but, you know, we'll get into that as we, as we go on. But uh, I like the album. Uh, I, I think it's overrated. But there are some songs that I think are very strong. And I will give them the respect of reversing the trend of, you know, starting out heavy and going lighter. They started out pussy and gained a little ball. So that I respect. And I also enjoyed, you know, the next album. Uh, I don't give a shit about this band without Sebastian Bach. I'll be quite honest. But uh, but there are some good songs on this. But, Ralph, how did you discover Slave to the Grind? Were you a fan previously? Not really, no. I, I did kind of dig uh, their version of... Um... Holiday in the Sun, that's when I finally, you know, I said, hey, you know, this ain't too bad. And I didn't mind that song, Piece of Me, the, the video. Well, you know, I mean, it ain't too bad for a cock rock band. But yeah, I wasn't into 18 and Life and and You've Gone Wild. And I remember, it wasn't really my thing. It, I mean, it was just to me, at that time, I lumped them together with your warrants and your, you know, wingers and all that shit. So I, but I saw Monkey Business um before the album came out they showed the video and i was like holy fuck this is good i mean this is really good but i didn't go out and buy the album till the second video they released was slave to the grind and when i saw that i said fuck this dude monkey business and this i'm gonna go buy this album and and uh i became a fan and that's when I was like, dude, I dig Skid Row. And uh, I saw the tour, and uh, Pantera destroyed them. And I really liked, you know, Skid Row at the time, but boy, I've never seen a band destroy a headliner better than Pantera did to Skid Row. But And Skid Row wasn't even bad that night, but Pantera was like no match. And, um, but yeah. Uh, I dig the album. I think it has aged well. Uh, I listened to it again. I haven't heard it in a while uh, because I knew we were going to review it. So I listened to it again and I thoroughly enjoyed it again. I mean, there is one song on here that I'm like, eh, it's so filler and so whatever. But the rest of it I really do like. Spoiler alert, but I like this whole album except for one song. And uh, I'll take the first song, Monkey Business. Which, well, before uh, you before you do that, let me ask you a question. Um, when you guys heard, you know, because when I heard the name Skid Row, I hadn't heard about the album yet when they released their first album. I just heard the name Skid Row. And I thought it was going to be a revamp of Gary Moore's. Uh, well, he joined in when he was 16. But it, it, there was a band, uh, you know, back in 1967 that came around called Skid Row. Did any of you guys know that back then? No, no, I found that out much later. Well, yeah. no, I found I found that out actually before Slate to the Crank because there's a... He used to release a video back in the day called Hard and Heavy. You guys remember those Yeah, videos? oh yeah, I had like three of them. Those were great. Yeah, they were on one of them, and 
it was like tr- tr- the trick bag or whatever, where they give him a bag and they pull out shit. Yeah. And he pulled out a Gary Moore album. And Rachel Bowen was like, oh, I get it, Skid Row, you know? And I was like, what, is it, what does he mean by that? And then I found, you know, then I was like, oh, because oh, he had a band called Skid Row. I wasn't aware of it. Though, I was a big, I've been a big Gary Moore fan since I've heard Corridors of Power back in 84. So I was very well aware of Gary Moore. But no, I didn't know about his band Skid Row till uh, around 89, 90. That's when I found out he had a band called Skid Row. And I, I, I never heard them till YouTube. I never actually heard them. I, I've still never heard them. Are they any good? Yeah, they're great. They, they have some video, actual videos on YouTube. You can see them. Nice. Um, but um, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, anyway, so uh, Monkey Business, I think it's a killer tune. I love the lyrics. It's very colorful. It conjures up images and i like that you know kind of like what dio did and you know it's that type of lyrics where it's a bunch of good cool words together it doesn't really make much sense but it sounds good together and you know this is to me i've never heard a hair band ever do do this like conjure up lyrics that you know bring images it's you know except sucking cock or something you know? but this is a song that made me step back and say you know this is not like any other hair band I've ever heard. Great lead-off single. I think it's an excellent single, and I think it really did help it hit the number one status because this song is strong, and it's a great song, and it did them really good. And uh, I love that mellow intro that goes into that amazing scream, and then that smoking riffage and melody and cowboy galore. I mean, cowbell galore. And... Um, I think it rocks. It's one of the standout tracks on the album, and uh, it's a definite classic. Uh, definitely better than anything off the first album by far. I love Monkey Business. What do you think, Boss? Well, I mean, Monkey Business, like you said, that 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 intro, man. You know, you, you expected what you heard off the first album. Um, you know, if if you just went and bought the album, you hadn't seen the video, you hadn't heard the the the, the radio, different things like that, but. To when it first started out and you heard that fucking mellow entrance and then all of a sudden you got that ta 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 and like you said that scream comes in dude um but the thing is is later in life about the song is this you, you get the references to everything that's being said in there, like, you know, Kangaroo Lady uh, being an alcoholic woman. Um, you know, when you start talking about the uh, the Vaseline Gypsy, you know, it's referring to a whore. You know, it's just this whole thing about what's going on in society. And it's like, wow, man, you know, it was really, really badass how he put so many windows there. windows. Well, however the fuck you say it, man, I'm not. Hey, man, hey, any. look, hey, dude, I just, I didn't understand. What, what, what was that? Induendo. What does that mean? Well, meanings behind it with different words, obviously. Oh, kind of like innuendo. <laughs> In, innuendos, whatever, dude. I fucking go peek through somebody's window, innuendo. Fuck, did somebody pee in somebody's cornflakes today or what? Dude, dude Jeez, I got something relax there, bro. Well, uh-huh. anybody out there wants to hire me, I have a feeling I ain't got much more, uh, much more time on any Trunks metal show. Hey, dude, I, I've always said I've got a really fucked up vocabulary when it comes to trying to say words, man. You know what? I was raised in Oklahoma, and by the time I was 15, I moved to fucking Miami. Really, what did I learn? Nothing. Yeah. All right. 
cheer this guy up and buy a That Metal Station mouse pad featuring Sebastian Bach's face on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyways, yeah, but anyways, the song is, you know, the, looking at it now and looking back at what you're saying, there was a lot of things going on in the world as of, you know, what we see today even. You know, that's why I think the song stands up the way it does. All right, well, um... I loved it when I first heard it. Like I said, my opinion had changed on Skid Row by seeing them live. Uh, I still didn't go out and buy the debut album. And, and matter of fact, I wouldn't even hear the debut album in its entirety until probably the late 90s. Uh, though I did buy this, you know, immediately when it first came out. Uh, because of seeing them live. Because of hearing this song. And wow! You know, just hearing, what the fuck, man? You know, back then it really was unheard of hearing a cock rock band go that heavy again because i mean let's face it when they first came out they're right on par with bon jovi you know who, who did help them out took them on tour they opened up for bon jovi on the uh new jersey tour and uh you know even though you know they would turn around and kind of slap bon jovi in the face by making fun of them years later but i mean as much as i hate bon jovi they did do him a favor and did bring him a lot of notoriety uh, but this is awesome. It, it's in a three-way tie uh, for a favorite track on the album. And here, and on almost all these songs, you hear like that real like Twisted Sister-esque gang vocal on the song. I don't know if that's like a, an East Coast thing, because Twisted Sister sure did a lot. And man, Skid Row does it all over the place on this album. And it, it works good, though. And like Ralph mentioned, you know, you know the cowbell. I'll tell you what, I, I don't know who was a bigger influence on uh, uh, Rob Fuso or whatever his name is, uh, Peter Chris or Steven Adler. I, I, I think it could be like uh, probably more Steven Adler because it was of the time, but, but Rob really had that same sound that shows you Steven Adler was way more influential around that time than he gets credit for, and his drumming sticks out a lot more than, you know, like a Matt Sorm because you could hear other contemporaries trying to get that same kind of sound and but it, it sounds great on this song uh, they the record company wanted like a bikini clad model in the video and skid row turned it down they said no we're trying you know to go heavier you know a, a bikini model has nothing to do with this song it's not about chicks it's not about fucking and once again you know i talk about even though I don't love everything on this. I respect what Skid Row was doing uh, because that was going against the grind, if you will. Uh, no other band did that. If anything, you know, everybody got pussier. There would be more ballads and all this shit, but they really made a conscious effort. Uh, and, and I don't know who it was. You know, what was it? Was it Sebastian doing this? Was it Rachel Bolin? And it, I mean, it really seems, if you look back, like Rachel really steered the ship. You know, he, you know, he was a guy who did the majority of the writing. You know, he was like the punk rocker of the group, you know, with the fucking nose ring and everything. And at the when it first came out, I didn't know if that was like manufactured or, if, you know, that was true. Uh, but I got a feeling he, he does have a punk rock heart because if he didn't, Sebastian Bach would be back in this band and they would be playing fucking stadiums again. Uh, but well, he, that... That's Sebastian Bach, dude. I actually got into a Twitter war with Sebastian Bach over it. Uh, I had questioned him one time about why they didn't get back together, and he's like, I don't want to be in some backwoods fucking Missouri hoedown fucking bunkin' place playing. And I was just like, you know what? Fuck you, dude. 
<laughs> really, dude? Yeah, yeah. Literally, I got I got into it with him on Twitter one time about it. I mean, it wasn't like a long, drawn-out fight, but I think it holds more on his side than it does any of the other band. It, it, you know, because there's only two remaining original members in the band now. No, there's three. What did they bring? Did they bring Hill back? What was his last name? Hill. Hill never left. I thought Hill left for a while. No way to do your notes. No, he'll he'll. Hey man, I'm going off memory, dude. I don't fucking sit here and do this whole. Yeah, I, yeah. God is God has wild hair up his ass today. Thanks for not taking this seriously. No, uh, uh, Sabu Hill and Bolin never left. Uh, they kicked out Rob Afuso and he never came back. Did he really, or did he leave? Uh, I, I I believe they kicked him out. That guy's an amazing drummer, very underrated. Yeah, and, and he would, you know, he's very vocal. He would like to get the band back together. Uh, but, but, uh, he, he's not, and I think they might've repaired their friendship, but he doesn't want to come back without Sebastian, uh, you know, which is smart, but, uh, that band is just a mess now. I, I I heard about your, uh, your Twitter war with Sebastian, but I I thought that was over you selling Sebastian shirts and not giving him a cut. Well, no, he got really pissed off when I put the clock out. Yeah. Yeah. That shit's gay. (laughs) The the Dr. Funk clock. (laughs) <laughs> all hey, right hey, what time is it time to go fuck yourself <laughs> all right well let's get into the title track which is slave to the grind uh man just when you, when you hear monkey business and you think they can't get any heavier they do and, and, and what a one-two punch and way to start the album off this is uh an amazing track again this is another one that's in a three-way tie for my favorite uh, if, if, if the album stayed on this fucking course, this, this, this could have been like an all time favorite. Is monkey business one of your favorites? Yes. Yes. All right. So it's monkey business. Slave to the grind. I already know the third one. Oh, okay. But, but, but you're wrong. Down boys was a Warren song. Oh, never mind. Uh, 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 just awesome though. And, uh, again, kudos for, for being heavy at a time when, uh, I mean, if anything, Cockrock was getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, by the time this came out, this is when you really start seeing it get bad with, like, you know, the Tricksters and the Nelsons and all that. I mean, it was really getting, you know, the stuff that, in my opinion, really brought the death to the scene. I think Nirvana gets too much credit. I think this scene, you know, killed itself. I, I think Nirvana gets also too much credit where people forget there was an R.E.M. and there was a Red Hot Chili Peppers before Nirvana that already ushered in the alternative age. Oh, yeah. Because those two bands were multi-platinum selling bands before Nirvana ever showed up. It was just the timing. Like, by the time Nirvana showed up, it was like, dude, enough. You know, people really had enough. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you, you definitely saw a dip in the quality. I mean, I mean... You know, with the first generation of cock rock, uh, it was still very much hard rock and roll, but you started seeing the image change, and the image got more feminine, but there, it was still good hard rock. But then, you know, the music started matching the image, where, where the music got more feminine, and it was all about the ballads, and softer and softer, because it was all about appealing to girls. But the problem is there, you fuck up because... Uh, girls change their mind and, and they're off to the next thing. When you got the guy fans, they'll stick with you. But the girls, you know, once they grow up or change, man, you know, they, they find a new ship 
and uh, you know, then you're fucked. And if you've alienated the, the male fans, which a lot of these cock rock bands did, you know, you know, you're dead in the fucking water, and that's what you saw. But like I said, Skid Row, uh, I really can't think of another band from that time that that got heavier and not lighter. So didn't like Warrant try to follow? Uh, well, yeah, good example. Dog, dog. They they did with Dog Eat Dog, and a lot of people say that, but I, I got to be honest. Aside from the track Machine Gun, uh, I really don't hear it on the rest of the record. You know that yeah, that, that I, much. I heard that album, and I don't get it. I never liked Warrant, and but. I did give that album a chance because it's been praised so much, and I'm like, dude, I, I just don't get it. There, there's some stuff. I mean, I, there are some Warrant songs I enjoy. I'm not like you know huge Warrant fan, but uh, but you, you know I think maybe they were they saw what Skid Row did and tried to do it, but it was nowhere near as heavy as what this record was. You know, there was just that one song, Machine Gun. But other than that, it really to me wasn't that much of a departure. You know. But uh, I love this one. What do you think, boss? Well, you know, once again, you know, it's keeping a very political thing with it. And, and, and what you were saying about the ballads and stuff like that, they were important to the bands. And if you remember the movie Rockstar, there was a part where, uh, you know, uh, Mark uh, Mark Wahlberg walks in and he's got his own album cover and he's got some lyrics and different things like that. And the guy that played the guitar first brings him out and he tells him, hey, man, basically it comes down to this. If we lose a fan to Rat, then, you know, we lose our fans, blah, blah, blah. But we want the girls that are going to attract the men who are going to buy our shit that want to be like us. And that's essentially what happened to the 80s, you know, like you were saying with the whole thing. And there's only one person I can honestly say through the 80s that I think really, truly hit his hit his mark with what he wanted to do, and that was uh, Tom Keeper. You know, because he was a blues person as it was, and they brought him in with the first album, and they did it, blah, 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 and you could see more of the blues coming out of him where everybody else, I think, was letting the record companies hold a hand on them. But uh, with Slave to the Grind, you know, I mean, the best the best lyrics, you know, in this album, Routine Injection, A Lethal Dose, But My Day in the Sun Ain't Ever Close. You know, it, this is all about everyday life, your fucking life, trying to live payday to payday, trying to get through. It, it was really great with how they did the lyrics on this, of, of, of getting the common man to feel you know what was going on to them all righty why don't you take the next track well and i gonna talk about this song oh i'm sorry i thought you did go ahead uh <laughs> I, i've been a, drinking for a while <laughs> it's a killer thrasher fucking song excellent opening track when they play live it's usually the opening track uh i think it's a band firing on all cylinders nothing hair band about this song at all. This is a band that is shedding its cock rock image. And in the long run, it hurt them, like you were saying before, you know, because, you know, the the fans wanted, their, their fans that sold 5 million copies the first time, they wanted 18 in life. They didn't want thrash. Uh, where I say fuck 18 in life, this is more my speed, but yeah, this, this, uh, the reason this album sold 2 million really was because of uh, the first album. And they were like, them and Guns N' Roses were the two hottest bands at that moment. And uh, that's why he did debut at number one. That's why he was, Sebastian Bach was on the cover of Rolling Stone. They were on Saturday Night Live. It was like, you know, Doc McGee. They were on top of the world, you know. And uh, 
you know, no matter what they released, it was going to skyrocket. But songs like Slave to the Grind hurt them in the long run as far as their mass popularity. Uh, but yeah, it did grab fans like me, and I've been a fan ever since. And you know what? I don't mind some of that songs or shit. I like the two EPs. I like a couple songs off Thick Skin, but yeah, Revolution by Minute, whatever. That was terrible. But uh, I still follow them. And But I think now after they got rid of Solinger, it's just a fucking joke. And I don't like this new guy they got. And uh, I don't even know who's, who's the new... They got rid of the dude from uh, TNT. TNT and he... And I'm a big fan of TNT and I'm a big fan of Tony Harnell, but holy fuck did he suck in Skid Row. See, I, I, it, didn't, I didn't hear it, any of it. It just didn't work. So the singer they have now was... I believe he was in Dragon Force. Or in one of those type of bands. Those power metal type bands. And, oh, boy. Yeah, and I watched like a clip and it's like, it's just, oh, man. It, I'm sorry, it just doesn't do anything for me. So, and I didn't mind, I mean, I'd rather have Sebastian Bach any day over Solinger, but I really did not mind Johnny Solinger. I didn't think he was terrible. I thought he was, you know, capable, but yeah, come on. Nobody well, can accept Skid Row without Sebastian. You know, you know, I, I saw him. Uh, I saw him twice with Sebastian, and once with Johnny. I saw him with Johnny on the on the Kiss reunion tour, or no, the farewell tour, I believe. Yeah. And uh, and man, it was only like, it, it's kind of like what I imagine it must have been to see uh, Sabbath with Tony Martin. Uh, you, you knew the songs, but it's just like, you you need that that front man front the band, and instead you just had a singer. Because, you know, it, it was like that. I mean, the guy just had, you know, he had the scarves and whatever in the bandana. But to me, just had no rock star persona. You know, where, where you know, a band like this, they need somebody like Sebastian Bach because it's part of what made him that. You know, it'd be, it'd be like seeing Van Halen without David Lee Roth. you got to have a rock star front that band. You have to have a legend front Black Sabbath. You can't just have anybody do that shit. You know, and that's why I think it's it's never going to work, and nobody's going to accept it, because I, I I think to to the guys, you you need that like front man, and to the girls they need to see Sebastian Bach because they think he's cute. You know, you can't just have anybody do it because nobody will care. My it's kind of it's kind of like uh, that metal station on Thursday nights at 8 p.m. <laughs> uh, when when Scott fires me and he and he. Uh, Hires Jimbo from Podunk, uh, Missouri, and uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, I still got Ian on Saturday. <laughs> oh yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be your cash cow. Him and Metal Mike. Hey, 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 hey! Shameless plug. Don't forget to get your Rocky Metal Cloud podcast shirt that just came out. Handling mothers one day at a time. <laughs> Dude, uh, uh, Did you okay that, Ian? No. <laughs> What's up with this guy? He's just taking our shit and running with it. No permission, no nothing. I'm making me a Scott Green shirt. You make a Scott fuck, Green shirt. I fucked this guy's wife, and I'm gonna put a picture of Scott Green on it. I'd buy that shirt. Yeah, <laughs> your wife did. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only reason I won't go visit Ralph, man. He keeps threatening to, you know, do my wife, and I don't want her to, you know, see how humiliated he would make him of himself. I know, right? It'd be so embarrassing to come on her face. I know it would be for you. I mean, she'd look at that size and go, that's all the load you got? Oh, yeah, you are over 50, aren't you? (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm laughing because it was so bad. You know, it's like that was. You know, I'm laughing the same reason why I, I enjoy Kiss Me the Phantom. It's so it's so bad. It's great. That was. Hey, I never. God, it was great. I never claimed to be a comedian. Step in the elevator mechanism. <laughs> I, I'm a businessman, not a comedian. Scott Green. That's right. When it comes to being a businessman, you're a shitty DJ. <laughs> I mean, fuck you. Hey, 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 Scott, is DJ Satan there, whatever his name is, DJ Lucifer? I want to hear you argue with him. That shit's gold. Yeah, he's here. He's hanging out with me, and he's in the back licking my old lady's pussy. Yeah. I like DJ Lucifer, thank you. All right, cool. Somebody has to. Fuck off. <laughs> I don't want to hear y'all's bullshit. Y'all are going to sit here and try to gangbang me. I mean, I realize that, you know, you guys got the circle jerk thing going on between yourselves and everything like that. But, you know, Lee Gersman can be your pivot man, not me. Wow, I got a lot of editing to do, Ian. <laughs> All right, somebody take the threat. This is getting ugly. <laughs> All right, the threat. I love this one. This I love uh, when the bass comes in. Like, doo -doo 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 -doo. That shit's badass, dude. Um, this is a song that uh, I didn't really think much in the beginning, but I really grown to like this one. Uh, I think it just has an amazing sound to it. Another great rocking tune that keeps the motor roaring. So you think? What is it? So you think you cut me down to size? I just love that rebellious and so snotty attitude this, this tune has. Uh, I think the threat fucking kicks ass, dude. I think it's a great song. And I gotta say, uh, there's two songs on this album I did not see them play live on the Slave to the Grind tour, and this was one of them. But I, on Sebastian Bach's solo tour, he did throw this one on as well as, well as another one coming up. That was not played on this tour, and I saw the solo band play. Uh, I like the threat. Uh, the threat. What's going on? Uh, what, what do you think, Scott? I think I need. I think it's time for a new shirt, Ralph. I've been to every fucking concert ever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, goddamn, dude! Every fucking show, man. You know, you every. Yeah. Anyways, the threat, dude. I think it should have been the opening track to the album. Um, and there's a reason I say that because. Uh, after this song they kind of like start to blow their wad on this album um, you start to go back to the whole uh, the original Skid Row album I believe and that's my opinion I mean but track listing is important to me you know I think that you want to gradually grow to your peak and then go down not throw your fucking peak out and then start heading downwards um, I like the song it's not something that I put on, you know, just to listen to or anything like that. It's just something that the album's playing, I'll listen to it, but it's not something that I'm going to go and just, oh, let me hear the threat. No, it's not like that. Yet you want it to be the opening track. Opening track, because why? I believe that I believe that listening should go a certain way. I believe I, I, I believe it's like how I do my shows. You know, I want to, I wanna, you know, it's like being with a woman, man. You don't just fucking stick it in. You kind of want to moisten it up a little bit, kind of get the audience to where they're into it. They're, you know, thinking, man, this is pretty fucking decent. It's not bad. And then all of a sudden smack them in the face with something. So basically, like, when, like, 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 like your girlfriends do with their cocks. All right, that's it. No more, no more. 
I'm, I, I'm, no, I'm done being a nice guy to this fucking spot. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's keep going. Uh, what do you think, uh, Ian? Uh, the Threat. Um, I think it's a great album track. And uh, I, I, I kind of understand what you're saying in a way, Scott, but if you reverse the order, it still starts out with three great songs, and then it goes to shit, so it doesn't matter which one's which. Uh, I, I, I think this is, like I say, it's not a single, per se, but uh, just a solid, a solid album track, and you need those, because not everything can be, you know, the single, but, you know, you need something to keep it from sucking. If anything, I would put it later in the album to, to improve the flow. But uh, I, I really like this, and, and and it's heavy, you know, and it keeps it like, you, you know, there, there's a reason why when I, when I first got this, I would listen to like so much of it, then I would stop. But this is a good, I mean, one, two, three. You got three great songs in a row. Yeah, the only the only thing I don't like about the thread is that it would be a horrible song to open an album with. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 exactly. It would be a terrible album uh, album opener. Well, no, it really would be a great album album opener, and Grab I think that I, I think I think following it up with like Cycle Love, and then you know moving your way into Monkey Business, a Slave to the Grind. I think it would have been a better uh, a better received album, um, in my opinion. You know what would be an even better? It would be an even better shower curtain <laughs> that says the threat that metalstation.com yeah, yeah on that metalstation.com in the merch store yes 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 make sure you plug that on your shows i do hey, why why is it that i never received my dr fuck flip-flop uh, i have no idea did you order them yeah i did oh uh, well then uh write the people and say hey where the fuck is my flip-flops like uh, you, this is all oh, this good. is all this is all third party dude uh, yeah, Ralph, calm down. He just collects the money. He doesn't ship them. That's right. I that's forgot. Right. <laughs> I forgot. He doesn't really care for the customer. Just the money. Yeah. No, no you go do the fucking work. You go find out what they didn't they, they well, they're didn't gonna ask, send the shit. <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna ask for all your fucking info. Who was who was the guy that got the shirt that was jizzed on? Do you remember that, Scott? Uh, I forget. I forget who it was. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Oh, you didn't hear about this, Ralph? No, uh, no. Uh, there was some, uh, like, some... When we first started doing the show, I think it was the Wadzilla Rock show. Uh, <laughs> the, the thing we did as a fundraiser to get me uh, the SAM program. Uh, everybody else, they got theirs great. There was no complaints. Everybody was happy. But this one guy, he didn't get his for like a fucking month. And then when it came... He said there was like jizz all over it, <laughs> and he's like, "What the fuck, man?" That must have been yeah. the one his uh, Scott's wife mailed out. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what because it was. She got oh, really? You went there? Yeah, I went there. You, you went, you went there. I mean, she does collect my paycheck, but doesn't doesn't make her a whore. Uh, uh, I mean, it's my teeth, and that's what makes her a whore. No, no, that'd be the girl on the corner down the street from you with no teeth. <laughs> Oh shit! Come on, Ace, Ian, you you are really drunk to laugh at that one, dude. Seriously, don't worry, he's not gonna fire you. Stop with these pity laughs. I'm just laughing at everything. No pity, pity laughs are what you get in the bedroom room. Oh. Hey, 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 Scott, that girl that you're talking about with no teeth, don't worry, she went the same place you went. She's got teeth, teeth now. Hey man, I got great teeth, man. Thank you to Mr. Walter Griggs. Yeah, that's right. She thanks Walter Griggs, too. I bet she does. 
That's right. She's got nice choppers. Yeah, I know. You, you take them out. You take them out every week. That's right. I, I like gummy blowjobs. That's your wife. I know. And she oh likes your God. gummy. She, she likes your gummy dick. That's right. Okay. I know. I know. I need a. I need a real woman to get it hard. Yeah. Yeah. I know. You, I, you blow her up at least once a week, don't you? Yeah. Your wife. Yeah. Of course. We're all gonna end up on the bread line with fucking DJ Randy. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, you know, and another thing, what the fuck, you know, you know what I hate about that metal station? Well, one of the many things. <laughs> you motherfuckers are always with, I need a bio, I need this, I need that. And I am constantly saying, hey guys, I need more IDs here. And nobody ever sends me fucking IDs. How many times? Oh, yeah, this is a metal show with DJ Randy. And then yeah, don't play, don't, yeah, don't play I see Wadzilla, and you know, this is the Metal Mike show. I don't have one. For shit, I don't. I don't even have one for fucking DJ Guilty. What kind of fucking operation is this? Well, you know, DJ Guilty, DJ like, Guilty doesn't have one because he he's a floater in when it comes to shows. Well, here's the deal. Don't ask me to do anything till I get ID. I told hey, you hey, to contact hey, Mike. Hey Ian, did you do? Uh, did you oh. do uh, uh, the, the little bio that we have to do? No. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. Why, why did I have to do it then? <laughs> Hey man, don't worry, dude. I take care of you guys. I protect you from Pitbull, man. My new station manager. He's all over everybody's ass. And I told him, I said, there's two people you don't mess with. That's Ian and Ralph. I said, they're, 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 they're like the uh, teacher's pets. And, you know, I mean, you know, hey man, Ralph, that scruffy stuff on his face, man. I love when he scratches my tank. God, what a homo. Oh, we all got something in life. <laughs> I'm gonna take a piss. Why don't one you ladies talk about quick saying Jesus? <laughs> All right, Scott, tell me what you think about quick saying Jesus. Uh, I know you're not a ballad guy, Ian, and I know you're pissing right now, and uh, yeah, all that good shit. But yeah, I really like this song. Um, it gives a perspective of you really listen to it of how many people may not be religious. And I know Ian doesn't believe in God. And I know Ralph, you do believe in God and I do believe in a higher power, but it does put the perspective out there of how much we take for granted. But yet when we're, when we're falling and we're at our worst, we're putting our hands out and our prayers out, please help me, God, please help me, Jesus. Uh, you know, and that's basically what this song comes down to is to me, it kind of puts out a thing of a hypocrite. You know, you're basically a fucking hypocrite because you only reach out when you need it. Would you not agree, Val? Uh, well, I guess, you know, if people are like that. I I, uh, I never reach out to God, I, I, you know, when I need it. You know, I pretty much, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence about the whole God thing. I don't, I'm not, I don't go to church, but at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and say there's no God because I've, I've already talked about this. I, I don't know. And, and stuff that are the unknown, I don't like. You know, I know you have your belief, Ian has his belief, everybody has his belief. I don't have a belief. I'm kind of like, well, there may be a God, or maybe there's not. I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, but um, I love this song. This is another great song. Um, <clears throat> I love the vocals. I love the lyrics. Uh, great example why um, uh, he, uh, Sebastian Bach was considered one of the best singers of the time, because that last scream, it... He hits, it's just fucking out of the park. It's a solid 10 song. 
so uh, so far this album is solid. I mean, how long can this last? Because so far every fucking song I'm loving on this shit. Uh, Quicksand Jesus is an awesome song, but I gotta say um, it was the last single, and it didn't do shit. But I'll get why it did it. It could have done better, but I think they picked the really worst ballad. Which is actually my... Well, I'm not even going to go into that. I'll, I'll talk about that later when we get to it. But Quicksand Jesus, I give it a 10. I love the song. I've always loved this song. I think the video is kind of lame. It's a little too blurry and all over the place. And, and I understand this video took a long time to release because the band wasn't happy with it and they made millions of changes. And by the time this uh, video was released, the, the, the album was already fucking... You know, way down in the charts, and nobody cared anymore. This was already Nirvana was exploding, and you know, and it just didn't do no good, you know. But uh, I, I love Quicksand Jesus. I, I agree with you on the on the placement of the releases. I think if this one would have been released before the other ballot, this one would have taken off much better than what it did. Right, uh, Ian. Uh, well. Well, shit, I got to agree with you all about the placement because I think they should have put all the ballads uh, at the end so you could just shut the fucking record off. Uh, to me, this this is them reverting back uh, to being Skid Row again. Even though it's, it's darker in subject matter, uh, I will agree on Sebastian Bach's vocals. On this whole album, Sebastian Bach sounds amazing. And you're absolutely right about that scream when he's just like so far away. Uh, I mean, that's that's like Hawford. That's almost like the fucking screaming victim of changes. I mean, it's that good. Uh, I really do. Even though I'm not a huge fan of the song, I mean, this this guy is amazing vocally. But it, it's just not my bag. It doesn't grab me lyrically or musically. It's not horrible. It's just, man, it, it, it's, it's just not what I want. And it kind of shows you that the record company, like, even though, like, yes, this did debut at number one, but it shows you how the record company was scrambling because the first two uh, singles are just, like, hard-ass rockers. And then they release all three ballads as the next three singles. You know, because, oh, shit, oh, shit, we got to get the girls to buy this. It's not selling, you know, what the first one did. We need that fucking, uh, you know, 18 in life. You know, we need that fucking I Remember You. And while I think all three of the ballads might be better than those two, it's still, it's like, it's fucking ballads. It's something safe. You know, it's back to like, oh, we got to have that ballad. Got to rope in the fucking, uh, you know, the Jersey Mall chicks. And it just, it doesn't do that much for me. It's not horrible, but uh, I, I just don't want the ballad. And there's some that I do love from that era, but uh, this ain't one of them. And I, I would skip it. But uh, it's definitely better than the next track, and I'll take that, and that is Psycho Love. Even the fucking name offends me. Psycho Love. This is Motley Crue level stupid. Uh, total filler. Uh, again, this sounds like something that could have came off the first album. In fact, I like probably 70% of the first album better than this song. It's just stupid to me. Uh... This was one totally written by uh, Rachel Bolan, and uh, and he can keep it. I got no love for Psycho Love. What do you think, boss? Well, I think this song was written about one of uh, many of uh, uh, <clears throat> Mr. Dr. 
Buck's girlfriends. Uh, and, and, and the and the line Stop King Tut's laughing, name. Ian. He's not funny. God. No, but it's the funny line. that he's trying to be funny. That's oh, that's true. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's like, kiss me so fat, I'm funny. Yeah, how many times are you going to use in, that joke? Unintentional. I mean, you use that hey, joke man, as many times as you I'd rather right? use, it's not a joke, it's just uh, an example. And I'd rather use the example over and over again than hearing your various lame-ass fucking jokes. Oh, oh let me throw God. out another one about Rob's girlfriend. Sure. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you, I, I can keep doing that because you, you claim you have so many different women. Um, so anyways, I don't uh, the one... Shut up. I just uh, I, I know a bunch of chicks that I put it up on Facebook, and you all make your decisions. I don't fucking go around talking about Oh, that. yeah. I, I, I listen to your show. That's right. <laughs> and and I, I have your on my show. I fucked on your show. I, I, I got to go. I'll be back in like two minutes. I'm going to go fuck this girl. I'll be right back. That's never happened. I would never do that. <laughs> I never do that, dude. Shut up. I, I, I wait till we were on the air to fuck her. Yeah, right? I, and you got, I also got in a lot of trouble over that. So, but um, anyways, it was great for me. I enjoyed it when you, when you, when you nailed your porno girl over the fucking, uh, uh, over the, over the air. Uh, it reminded me of the lines out of the song King Tut and the snake eyed slut in the pink but screaming blue. Um, yeah, the song, it's, I don't like the song at all. Uh, um, lyrically, it makes, it's, it's so fucked up, dude, with lyrics, dude. The lyrics make no sense in this song to me. Um, and that might just be me. I mean, Ralph, you may take a different take on it because you're used to these kind of women, so please tell me. Yeah, I love this fucking song. I think this song fucking rules. Haunt my house of pain and feel my psycho love. This song's about a serial killer. Heavy, dark for them. Killer bass line. This song fucking rules. I love psycho love. This is one of my favorite songs on the fucking album. And uh, maybe it does have a lot to do with I have more of a killer sex life than Scott Green. Okay, there. I'm sorry, Scott. I just hey, matched who got, I know, who I know. Got, I, I'm sure you sounded Who funny. got laid today? But that was very lame. No, I didn't get laid today. No, I didn't, actually. <laughs> I didn't either, but I fucked all my listeners out of a good show. Does that count? Oh, my God. Anyway, so uh, I love Psycho Love. You know, there's a cool 3D video for this. Yes. Uh, that was released on the Roadkill uh, home video, which is an amazing home video. If you guys like those Pantera videos, I went back and I saw their, their first album home video, and that one's like, it's just as good. Uh, oh, oh, say, can you scream? It's really good. Those fuckers should be released on DVD one day or Blu-ray. But um, really enjoy this song. I really enjoy the video. I think the video's cool. I bought the VHS, which I still own, and it brought two 3D glasses with it. And uh, I love Psycho Love, one of my favorite tracks on the album. And uh, I'm not ashamed to say that, guys. All right, I'll take the next one. And you guys haven't heard it or you didn't do your research, but I'm going to Beggar's Day, and then we'll go to the rest of the album that, that you all know, the uncensored version. I, I know Beggar's Day. Okay, well, Beggar's Day, um, this song to me is very much Making a Mess Part 2 from the first album. It's pretty much the same damn song. Love it though, because I think Making a Mess is probably one of the best songs off the first album. And this is totally the first album. I disagree with Ian. I don't think Psycho Love sounds anything like the first album at all. I, I don't, but Beggar's Day does. Beggar's Day has that 
Rocky Rolly, you know, straight ahead uh, type of vibe that the first Here I Am type shit. Uh, I think it's a rocking song now. Uh, it's not my least favorite. There is a song on here I don't really like, but you know, if that song I don't really like wasn't on here, then I would say this would be my least favorite. It's a good song, but you know what? It kind of does stick out. It doesn't really flow well with the rest of this album. It would flow better on the first album. Um, but I dig it. I mean, I dig it for what it is. It's all right. What do you think, uh, Scott? Uh, I think it goes back to a religious thing again. Um, you know, only because of the lines in it. Uh, apple, Adam's in the chapel. He's swallowing his own his apple, uh, wearing out his ball and chain. Um, it's an all right song. Um, I'm going to agree with you. It doesn't belong on the album, um, and that's probably why it was a uh, a bonus track. Um, what what was it on? The, was it on the Japanese edition? No, well, it was on the no, clean. American. It was it was on the clean version. Like if you went to Walmart. You got yeah. that because get the fuck out, you know, it was too too risque. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I don't remember all that. I was too young and I was smoking a lot of dope back then. Um, uh, this, I did this, this album didn't come out Tuesday. <laughs> fuck off. Yeah, you got you got jokes all of a sudden. Yeah, okay, wait till we well, get to the next funny, one. funny, though. Wait. That was a genuine <laughs> laugh on my part. I was yeah, laughing I at that uh, one because uh, it was uh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> She had him laughing in the aisles. Yeah, just like fucking Ian did with you. Anyways, um, I, I, I skipped over the song when I was really listening. Heard that one, Ian? I, I didn't get it, but I'm still laughing. No, no, believe me. You don't have to get it. It's still fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I skipped over the song when it when it came on and I was really like listening to it. you skipped over my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah, just skipped over your girlfriend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. <laughs> my, my wife laughs at your little dick. <laughs> yeah, she does. Dummy dick. She when told she me she the said, your dick, she laughed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're so fucking funny. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I don't like you or your innuendos. Not your innuendos. I got an innuendo for you. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I have no opinion of this song. Uh, the only thing, I, the only reason I even knew about it was uh, Jimmy James Schwartz. Uh, fan of the Rock and Metal Combat podcast and listener to my show requesting it one day. And he's like, oh, I was like, oh, yeah, I got all Skid Row. And then I looked for it. I was like, what fucking album is it on? And uh, he said this one. He goes, oh, it's on the clean version. I was like, well, fuck, why would I get the clean version? So I have no idea, but by all accounts, even in the chat room during my show, uh, a lot of people made comments that, that it did sound just like making a mess and that it sounded very much like the first album. So, uh, that, that's all I know about it, but uh, apparently you guys are spot on in your assessment of it. But I will tell yeah, you, what, Scott, Scott, Scott is spot on with, with how my girlfriends are not really good and his wife thinks I have a small dick. <laughs> 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 all right. He's also spot on in his underwear. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> all right, well, I will take Get the Fuck Out. Um... Now, I said the previous song was Motley Crue level stupid. This one is Poison level stupid, but I love it. It, it. It's just so silly and fucking cheesy, but for some reason it works. And, uh, you know, I, I laugh, I sing along to it when I hear it. Uh, th this is a funny joke. 
So, so Scott, listen to this. You could write a lot, you know, using this as a yeah, template. Right. Yeah, come on, yeah. <laughs> this Do is your a homework. This is a great one. It's a fun song. What do you think, boss? You like get the fuck out? Well, I really think I really think that Ralph wrote this song at one of his many concerts that he's seen with Skid Row because of the starting lines. Your jokes ain't funny, and there's nothing you say I want to hear. I, I figured you would see him writing a song towards me. Um, <laughs> I, I like I like the song just because of the <laughs> <lyrical content. laughs> Was that your best Porky Pig impression? <laughs> yeah, are we having fun yet? <laughs> Scott, you know what, man? Keep keep trying to be funny. It is, it is actually funny. I'm not laughing with you. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, it, it's a song <laughs> you can live with. <laughs> No, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, that was actually funny. See, but he wasn't trying to be funny. That's what makes it funny. You know, my biggest problem is I quit smoking pot. I'm a lot funnier when I smoke pot, okay? Yeah. All right, go, Ralph. Get the fuck out. This song was written by Scott's wife when she saw my little dick. <laughs> when she saw my little gummy dick. She said, get the fuck out. <laughs> I think it's a fun song, but kind of for the moment type of song. Did not age as well as most of the album, but still fun and snotty, and I dig it. I don't think it's a bad song. Though, at the moment when I first got that album, it was kind of like, wow, this song kicks ass, you know? But then it kind of got like, you know, old fast. But, you know, it's, it's a fun tune. It, you know, whatever. And, um... I don't know. What else can I say? It's kind of like, you know, when I puke, I stink, bitch, get me a drink because I'm paying for the room. It's really anti, like, you know, ooh, baby, I remember you type shit, you know. So they are another example of them trying to be a little more, because you got to remember at the time, you know, you had Guns N' Roses with, you know, saying fuck all over their albums and, and suicidal, where they were very, like, let me tell you, at this time, uh, they were very influenced by suicidal tendencies. Uh, Skid Row, actually. I can't remember what member was we were in a suicidal hat around this time, and and uh, and you know, they're, all their songs had fuck all over it, you know. So, uh, but I think it's an okay song. It's not bad. It just didn't age as well, and it's kind of goofy. But again, playing the song, it's kind of like, dude, I'm not gonna skip this. It's good. You know, I like a song coming up that I, I do skip all the time. Um, okay, I'm going to go to the next one, uh, which is Living on the Chain Gang. Like the threat, they didn't play this live when I saw them live in concert. And uh, what do you call it? Uh, but the Sebastian Bach solo band did play it live once, which was great because I fucking love this song. Another White Knuckle Shakedown. I love them lyrics. This is one of the, my favorite tracks on the album. Sebastian sings his ass off on this one. That one that one part after the first chorus when he goes, living on a chain, yeah. He hits a note that, dude, I've never heard Sebastian hit a note that high. Uh, where it's just like, that's right before it goes into the second verse. Holy fuck, dude. 
and uh, God, and I love the fucking background vocals. Another suicidal shakedown. Uh, the dual guitar solos is a bit lacking, but that's about the only thing I can. I, I think it's kind of weak on the song. Other than that, I think it's a badass song. And I think I may be the only one that thinks that. But I love this song. Living on Chain Gang. Not my favorite, but one of my favorites on here. Ian? Uh, well, you might be the only one of us who thinks that, but you're not the only person. This was actually requested on my radio show today. Uh, I was surprised when I saw Wade Stacy, one of my hardcore listeners, request this. Uh, it, it definitely has, like, once again, the Twisted Sister, like, gang-type vocals on the chorus. Um, not horrible, but filler. It's one that, um, I had to go back and listen to when I was taking notes for this. It's like, before I realized that the song was over, I was like, oh, shit, I didn't even realize the song was on. And I had to listen to it again, and that's never a good sign. Because to me, that, that just spells filler, uh, and not that memorable. Again... Not horrible. I don't think there's like really like a, a song on here that's like, oh, I really fucking hate that song. But there's just songs that aren't memorable. And and to me, this is, you know, no different than a filler, you know, Great White song or a filler Bullet Boy song. It's just, it's it's a filler cock rock song to me. But some people enjoy it. I uh, just don't happen to be one of them. What do you think, Scott? Well, I'm going to agree with my number one DJ, Mr. Wadzilla. Um... <laughs> It's the song that if it comes on the radio, I'm not going to change the dial, but it's not something I'm going to go in search of. Uh, it, again, it's a it's a politically driven song. Um, I guess I guess you guys were saying earlier. Um, um, fuck, dude, I'm going to brain fart his name. Rachel is that, that Rachel, right? Rachel Bowen. Uh, yeah, Rachel Bowen. Um, you know, a lot of punk, a lot of punk influenced musicians. Uh, follow along with the politic, polit, polit, political bullshit, and I find that a, a lot in you know, in, in a lot of Skid Row songs. Um, again, this one is you know basically the same fucking rhetoric about you need to open your eyes, see what's going on in the world, blah 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 blah. Put some killer guitar riffs behind it. Let a guy that can fucking sing sing it and move on. Double. <laughs> That was funny. All right. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Scott, take the next one. Creep Show. Without him, we're just ordinary human beings. Uh, I, I have nothing to say about Creep Show. I, I never really listened to it. Don't. I, I, it wasn't a song that drew my attention. Wow. Way to do your research, buddy. I, I, I listened to the I, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. I listened to the album several times in the last couple days in full. And once again, it's just not a—it's not a song that I really dug, you know. And I'm yeah, giving my right. honest opinion. No, I know, but you were like, I, I didn't listen to it. You said you don't. Li- oh, well, I'll put the tape back. You said you didn't listen to the song, so you have no opinion. That's I what- said, I said that I've listened to the album. I told you in the beginning of this, I've listened to the album in the last couple of days. I even made the reference to this album is a lot like your mother starts out hot and wet and then goes fucking south and just lays there. Were you? Were you, were you? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, he gave me another singer. I, I believe I did. I did. But no, you said you're gonna run the fucking tape back. I, I, I'm just reminding you of what I said about the album. All right. Let me, now I'm gonna edit this. Well, I'm gonna put where 
Scott says he never heard this song again. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> and your mother. Ooh, ooh. Whatever. All right. Uh, this is a song I don't like on the album. Uh, I never liked this song. Total I begged him not to play it when I was at the concert and I was getting my dick sucked by the girls. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I know you're sorry. Now apologize. Oh, God. Fifth grade fucking just popped out. <laughs> Can you believe this guy actually runs a radio station? <laughs> I'm rubber, you're glue. Whatever bounces off me sticks to you. God, dude, that was about the fucking the, the, the educational fucking value of fifth grade, dude. Come on, can't you come better? You know, come better than that, dude. You know, you know, Ian. Most Ian, of his women say too. <laughs> you know, you know, Ian. We toot our own horns how badass we are, but it really does bring us back down to the level. That we're actually on a radio show ran by this dude. <laughs> it really doesn't right. make us look that good, does it? <laughs> you remember that. Hey, I got an idea. They got a, a show called That Metal Show. Let's call the station That Metal Station. Oh. You're absolutely right, dude. I ain't gonna fucking lie. It was a even Eddie Trunk hated That Metal Show. He even hated the title of that show. Dude, that was a clean ripoff, dude, right there. I knew it. All right. Anyway, so, uh, and just my luck, when I saw this concert, uh, Sebastian Bach was like, hey, here's a song we never play live, and they actually played Creep Show the night I saw him. I was like, oh, great. This fucking song. <laughs> I can't really say it's a shitty song, but compared to the rest, it's my least favorite. Kind of like Ralph's mom. <laughs> No, your mom's one of my favorites, dude. Don't don't worry about that. Oh man, I was worried about that. Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah, dude. Now I can sleep at night knowing that my mom's one of your favorites. Make, make sure you go to youporn.com. there, Scott. Youporn.com. Ralph's mom. Yeah. Yeah, right in Ralph's mom on youporn.com is where I'm fucking Scott's wife saying, <laughs> "Mom, shake that ass, mom." Oh boy, Cream Show! <laughs> uh, wow, uh, this episode is far more entertaining than Cream Show. This is once again total filler, uh, and it sucks that they have two back to back. Cream Show, Cream Show is when my wife saw Ralph Dick. Oh. <laughs> oh my God, you're fucking funny. I wish I could be just like Ralph. What are you talking about? I'm acting just like you. I want to be just like Ralph. <laughs> well, maybe you'll get some ratings. <laughs> Mr. Mr. DJ Lucifer. Oh, let's oh, not get in. I am, hey, I, I am I going just... to kick your ass. But what are you talking about, DJ Lucifer? I like you. Well, I don't like you, son. <laughs> now let's hey, play some... <laughs> let's play some Diamond Head. Am I evil? <laughs> yeah, but you are evil, Mr. Lucifer. That is true. <laughs> See how much he listens to my show and enjoys it? Oh, yeah. What the fuck, man? I'm a masochist. <laughs> well, not everybody can be Dr. Fuck, but you can buy a Dr. Fuck doll at thatmetalstation.com. <laughs> That's All right. Lord, all right. Well, uh, here's a mom joke that works. Uh... <laughs> this is where I like Rouse Mom in a darkened room. 
Oh, that was funny. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. Moving on. Uh, in a darkened room. Uh, nobody needs this. To me, this is definitely uh, going back to the first album. It, it's a ballad. You know, I mean, this is the second ballad on the album, but the third ballad in total. And there's no reason for three ballads on any album by a metal band. You know, maybe on a Barbara Streisand record, but not on a fucking metal record. Uh, to me, this is total filler, and it, it's like a security blanket. Like, just in case, you know, the kids don't like our new heavy direction, we got to have some ballads to keep uh, the mall rats coming back and buying it. Yeah. Keep Ralph interested. <laughs> Yahoo! <laughs> uh, yeah. Not a huge fan of In a Darkened Room. Uh, Ralph, do you have a different opinion, or do you enjoy this tune? Oh, I love this song. Okay. Um, I think this song should have been the second single. Really? Because, yeah, because this, they had to do a song like this for the chicks. Right. And sissy boys like me. Uh, because uh, I really like this tune. Great great ballad. Sound uh, Should have been a single. Would have helped push this back up the charts. Instead of Slave to the Grind being the second video, this should have been the second video. And uh, because that was the formula back then, the, the heavy song, then the ballad, then, you know, and then Slave to the Grind or what have you. Um, but um, I think this is, the they, they dropped the ball because this album, you know, it debuted at number one and then sank because of the singles were a bit too heavy for their core fan base. This song, and I agree with you, Ian, this song is like more closer to the first album. You know, it doesn't, it's not really technically a love song, but it does have that feel that the chicks would love, you know? And uh, and I really do feel this, this song here should have been the second single. It would have helped propel it and got more interested. Propel it? Propel it. I said propel. I, I'll pocket the dick back, motherfucker. Propel. In the window, in the windows, whatever. See, see, you fuck up too. You know, I can Propel. always edit this shit and just and, and you continue to. Uh, for now on, the whole show's gonna be like in your window, in your window. Fuck off. <laughs> you fuck off. You and your whore wife. <laughs> oh. Hey, dude, that's not nice, dude. I don't talk about your whore sister or mom. Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, we ain't editing shit. <laughs> I know, this is Dave. Poor Scott, when he hears this back, he's going to say, God damn, I really ain't funny. But Scott, you know what is funny? This, this is funny. Listen. There, right there. That's funny. Oh, my God. Now he's going to talk into the same fucking dildo he uses in his ass. Actually, that was your wife over here, Pussy Button. She just... Uh, that's, really? She got out of the back of the truck? How'd that happen? Yeah, boy. Uh, you know. <laughs> okay. And it, it, uh, okay. <laughs> all I can. Say... <laughs> <laughs> all, all I can say about it in a, in a darkened room is if Thrash or Die would actually do a song like this, I may see the light of day on a label. Um. <laughs> what? You didn't like that? <laughs> I don't give a fuck what you think, dude. 
doesn't matter. Or, or what, get what, a what different singer. Scary band. What was the name of them? Uh, which which band? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't even know. That's how lame they were. You can't even remember the name of your band. Uh, <laughs> you know what's sad is right now Terrence is listening to this going, "Good, it's all falling apart." <laughs> <laughs> Soon they will only have 18 downloads. Yeah. Thank God they found somebody worse than me. In a, in a darkened room, once again, we're going back to the whole religious thing. I think that there was a, there was a search in this album um, for a religious... Uh, I don't I don't know how you would put it, but, you know, once again, it goes back to God's space, lives and wounds. Uh, you know, like Ralph said, it's not particularly a love song which it's not you know um it's it's really about uh, to me it's about the the finding of the inner child whatever uh finding jesus blah 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 and that's where the uh, that's where the song is opinionated in my mind um and you may disagree with me uh ian i don't know well ian don't like this song i know he doesn't like ballads did he already talk about it in the dark room? Yeah, he did. All right, go, go into Riot Act stuff. Uh, another one that I could live without. Um, it, it Once again, this goes back to their first album to me. Um, it, it's why I said earlier that songs have to have a, a track listing and they need to be put into it in, in order to where you're not going to lose your, your listener. Um, through the album because there's you know once you get past you know a certain place in this album it just goes nowhere for me i can turn it off and live without it forever and riot act is one of those songs that should have been that should have been like maybe the second song on the album so that you were forced to listen to it because back in my day we had cassettes and you know you were either fast forwarding or rewinding and most of the time you didn't take that time because you were too fucking stoned um, so I think it has it, it been placed in a second, you know, in a second song, you know, situation. It, it would have been better placement for the song because honestly, it I can live with it. I can live without it. I mean, I'm not going to switch it off the station if it comes on, but it, it has no bearing on my life. All right, Ian, what do you think of Riot Act? Uh, Riot Act. This is the other one that's tied for my favorite track along with Monkey Business and Slave of the Grind. I absolutely fucking love this one. Uh, it's got a great, like, just hard spirit to it. Uh, and I, I love that it's short to the point, shows up, kicks your ass, and it's gone. And I need way more of these and less of the balance. Love right at My favorite track. Definitely my favorite track on the album. Hey, hey just, just curious, which one did you think would be my other three-way tie? Because... You said no, you got... I didn't know. Oh, okay, bye. I didn't know. All right. Yeah. I think, hey, you know, I mean, it, it would make sense being right after. I mean, I think it's the best track on the album. I think it's it's simple, Ramones-ish, you know, punky, snotty, and, you know, right to the point, sledgehammer over the head, and simple riffs. Um, fucking love it. It's like, to me, it's a standout track, and uh, something that they always played live. Uh, every time I seen him, even with Salinger, and every time I seen Sebastian, I don't know if he still plays a lot, but I always love the Riot Act, dude. Riot Act to me is like, you know, other than Eileen, Eileen is my favorite, all time favorite. Uh, Mine too. Fucking uh, Skid Row song. A Skid Row song, but 
this will be my second favorite all time Skid Row song. Riot Act fucking rules. Alright, uh, Mud Kicker. I'll take this one. Here's Mud in Your Eye. Another fucking badass song. Another one of my favorites. Mid tempo slugfest. I dig the heaviness of this song. They fucking all kill on this song. Even the riffs and even the solo I like on here. It's just damn shame the cock rockers could not, you know, open their minds and accept this like they did with, you know, the horrendous can't stop it, can't stand the heart rate Bon Jovi shit. Uh, Mud Kicker Yeah, and uh, <laughs> sorry. No, don't don't say sorry. You finally did something funny. And uh, but I like it. I, I like Mud Kicker. I think it fucking fits out. Uh, what do you think, Bob? Your twisted mounds feed the minds of the babies. Taught for your. From birth and the crimes that pay, dude. I, I like this song. Um, it, it, it still kind of reminds me of the first album again. Uh, the guitar solo that you brought up, I really dug it. Um, but again, this is an end of the album song that I would turn the tape off before I ever heard it. I honestly, I, I'm not gonna sit here and pull, 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 pull bullshit and say, oh, it's one of my favorite songs. When honestly. I, it's another song. I can live with. I can live with it. I can live without it. Um, I like the song, but I'm not gonna go batshit crazy over it. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I received my notes, but I don't even remember the song. But on my notes, I put total filler. But uh, you know, you got can't stand the heartache in my head now. I'm like so beats a red red rose. I'd rather hear that. Than whatever this was, because obviously it didn't oh, leave an, I can't stand it. It didn't leave an impression on me. Actually, I like all the songs on the debut album except for the singles. I uh, still don't care that much for uh, you know, of course, the two ballads or you've gone wild. But I like all the other shit uh, way better. This one, like, I I can't come up with anything witty or to say what uh I don't like about it. But I just know when I listened to it this morning a couple times, it totally passed me because I. All I, all I came up with was total filler. Yeah, it ain't no down, boys. <laughs> all right, take, take, take the next one. All right, well, the next one, uh, we definitely disagree on this uh, because I think this should have been the second single. And not because I love this song, uh, but because I feel this is totally right there with 18 in Life and, and I Remember You and... I think this would have been one to grab those chicks that were thrown off by Monkey Business and Slave to the Grind and the other heaviness of this album because this is total fucking uh, dreck that, uh, you know, got them where they were in the first place. You know, the the, the cute singer and, and, and the sappy, sad song. Uh, definitely not a way this album should end. But, uh, man, I think if this would have been the second single... Or even the first single. I think this would have this would have sold another million copies. But by the time they released it, I think this was yeah uh, the third single. I, I I think they were a day late and a dollar short. And if you look at the uh, at when they released these, Monkey Business came out in May of '91. Slave the Grind uh, was June. This didn't get released until October. So you know the you know the the window they waited way too long. 
And I, I, I think the girls moved on probably to like fucking Trickster or Nelson picked up, you know, the fans that they had from the first record by the time this was released as a single. Um, I do remember seeing this video on Headbangers Ball, but of course you didn't see it played as much, you know, as I remember you or 18 in life. Uh, it waited way too long. Uh, again, I'm not trying to praise this song, but I think for what they wanted it to do, it would have definitely done much better as a second single than, uh, single than even you said in a darkened room would. My opinion, but a, a, a shitty way to end this album. Well, I, I disagree. I, I think this was a horrible single. And oddly enough, this is my favorite of all three ballads. I think uh, this is an amazing ballad. Maybe my it's my favorite. But I think it was a horrendous choice for a single. Should should have been in a darkened room. Uh, because it, even if I do feel this one destroys that song, uh, the whole drug addiction song does not appeal to Debbie, who fiddles with her twat uh, while, you know, with Sebastian Bach's poster on her wall. She fiddles to it to, in a darkened room. But otherwise, wait, I think wait, 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 Mel- Scott, your wife's name is Debbie? Yeah. Uh, no, my, my my wife's name is Tony. That's why I know he's been fucking the wrong chick and paying the wrong girl. <laughs> Tony, like what, Tony Danza? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Tony Danzig. <laughs> yeah, Jewel. But otherwise, I think the melody and the lyrics are amazing. Uh, video kind of blows. And I think the video hurt this song, too. It's just, I don't know. What the fuck's up with these videos? Quicksand Jesus and Wasted Time. I mean, they're, it's just all these weird imagery. And, and another thing about Skid Row, and I think this damaged them more than helped them. The reason why Wasted Time took so long for it to come out, because they have this weird perfection bullshit going on with them that it took them forever to release the video. Because they wanted it to be perfect, and they weren't happy with how it was, and they actually used real drug addicts. I don't know if you're aware of this. Uh, in the in the song, they went to they actually did go to Skid Row. So Scott's in the video. Uh, Scott's wife. Yeah, I, 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 I'm the guy. Debbie I'm the Tony guy in the Danza. Yeah, I'm the guy in the corner with a dick in my mouth and no teeth. Yeah, that, that's me. Yeah, no teeth. <laughs> I, I I honestly think you guys missed the point of this song. Um, now, I could be wrong here, but over the years, I've heard that this song was actually written about Steven Adler. Um, and that right there, when I first heard it, it gave me a different perspective on the song all the way around. Um, you know, because, you know, as everybody says, Steven Adler's a very underrated drummer. Um, he went through a whole shitload of crap. I mean, if you ever watched, I never watched that Doctor show until he was on it. Um, and I've heard him on Stern, I've heard him talk, I've heard him different ways, and I really feel sorry for the guy. So this, the, learning that about the song, it put a completely different perspective for it for me. Um, well, see, what I threw love- me off is when I saw the video and you're there holding up a sign saying, where's Izzy? You know, I, I thought it was about Izzy Stratton. No, it's about Steven, Steven Adler. Oh, okay. Went over your head. Yeah. Okay. It might. Oh, where's Izzy? Yeah, new concert. Yeah, yeah. That's why I won't go see Guns N' Roses. <laughs> He's not done. Fuck this tour. Fuck it, dude. Fuck this tour. Yeah, yeah. You tell him, Scott. I mean, you were all over fucking Axel's nuts, dude. But I still AC am. Dude, fuck am. that, dude. Uh, no. What? No. Whatever, dude. That's your opinion, and you're entitled to it, man. Fuck you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. I, I know. <laughs> your opinion. It's all like assholes. You know, but 
I, it did put a different perspective on the song for me, and I really liked the song. Um, I, 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 knowing the perspective on it, I can get heartfelt in within listening to it. Um, it's one of my favorite ballads. Um, you know, I mean, I don't get into the whole fucking poison ballads. I don't get into the whole fucking warrant thing and different shit like that. But this is one of the ones that really grabs me heartfelt. Whatever, you like Sammy Hagar, and that's even worse. Does he really? Is that true, Scott? I like Sammy Hagar back when like, <laughs> Montrose. I like Montrose and different things like that. Um, I'm not a not a, uh, a Hagar fan when it comes to Van Halen. Um, I like like you guys. I agree totally with you guys. It destroyed it, and that's like when we were. I was talking to my wife about it the other day, and she asked what the big deal was because I I can't remember if it was I, we were listening to you, Ralph, or if we were listening to Ian. But one of you guys said something about uh, Van Halen and Sammy Hagar. And that's when she asked me what the big deal was. And I, I, and I told her, I said, well, you, you got this rebel on the front end of a fucking band that's, you know, fucking, it's all about partying and fucking living on the edge and having a great fucking time. And then you bring in this new guy and next thing you know, you're fucking 40 years old and fucking trying to just trench through your life bullshit, you know, and, and I think she understood the way I was trying to explain it. Um, you know, Rebel compared to fucking Geritol. Really? <laughs> really? Really? I say something fucking... Fuck you. Fuck you. And I ain't even made fun of you all day, Wadley. <laughs> no, I'm just getting back at you for playing heavy metal on your fucking radio show. Did he really? Yes. It was a, re- it was a request. Fuck Somebody requests that shit on my show, I'll tell him to go fuck himself along with that new fucking station manager you hired. <laughs> you leave my station manager alone. He's fucking fuck putting him. things. He's, put, he's putting things into perspective. Around. Yeah, yeah, and I'm putting shit in your mom's ass. <laughs> oh really? Uh, your dick's supposed to go there, not shit. It's, it's a little small out. dick. It's a little small dick. I, I mean, you can tell everybody you got a small dick. I don't care. Hey, it's not it's not the size of the pen. It's how I write my name. And look at your wife's face. Look how I write, wrote my name on that. Yeah, I know. Let's keep on about my wife. Oh, my God. You know what? Yeah, you, you jerked off on my wife's face. You stuffed your shit in my mom's ass. All that great shit. But that's why you're still in three bands that have went nowhere. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere. I'm about to go play Panama. Where the fuck have you played other than the fucking bar down the street? I'm going to Panama. Hey, hey, hey wait, were you talking to me or Scott? <laughs> Scott, at least you fucking play songs that people like. On the downside. You know, at least, you know. Oh, hey, yeah. That's okay. I'm going to start putting numbers out soon, man. That, that ego's about to go psh. I don't give a fuck, dude, about numbers. <laughs> Talk to Ian about numbers, not me. I really don't hon- give a flying fuck. In all honesty, I, I, I love all your bands, dude. I know Thrasher Die has oh, a big fuck following. You. I don't want you to like my bands. <laughs> I know they have a... Heavy I, I, metal. I know, Please, don't insult I know, me by liking my music. Uh, uh, don't insult me by liking my music. Oh, my God. It takes, a lot to be, it takes a lot to be able to sing like a fucking Chewbacca. <laughs> now that was good. Okay. All right. Um, are there some bonus tracks on this that we hadn't talked about yet? Okay. 
Ralph, you mentioned Holiday in the Sun. I'd never heard that cover. Oh, no, that's not. Uh, it was actually on the Make a Difference, uh, the Foundation soundtrack. You know that oh, thing? Oh, uh, the, the, uh, the Russian thing? Yeah, and they actually did play it live at that show as well. But they did do a recording of it on that CD, okay. and it's great. It's really well, cool. I'm just saying they showed on here as it was also a Japanese bonus track. Oh, really? Oh, they threw it on the this uh, album? Uh, yeah, on the Japanese version, had Beggar's Day and this, as well as a live version of Get the Fuck Out, and their, and a live version of Delivering the Goods, which they do a studio version of on their next EP, Besides Ourselves. Yes. Um, wait, what song again? What song was that? They, they did uh, Beggar's Day, Holiday in the Sun, and Get the Fuck Out Delivering the Goods Live uh, were all Japanese bonus tracks on this album. Okay. I believe, though, the Delivering the Goods is different than the Besides Yourself version. Yeah, yeah. No, this is a live version. Yeah, no. The the, the one on Besides Yourself is a live version. Oh, but Yes, but oh. there's another version that I think is superior, which was live as well at the MTV studio. Oh okay, and uh, and that one's far superior to the to that. I I don't like the version that ended up on Beside Yourself. I also have a vinyl single for um, uh, Wasted Time that the the B side is What You Doing that ended That's up right. on that ended up on Beside Yourself. But the version I have on the vinyl is different because at the end of What You Doing. It keeps going where it's kind of like a drum solo type thing where Sebastian's screaming a lot, and that's totally edited off the Beside Yourself version. It sits um, next to his vinyl blow-up girl. And come on, uh, shut up. <laughs> and, and come on, come on and love me. Is uh, it, it's a full studio thing where on the Beside Yourself it kind of like uh, I think the live recording bleeds into it. Uh, I know there's something different, so uh, and I have that. That's played to the grind single I have on CD. I have a bunch of those uh, singles from that album, but uh, there is one song that later appeared on their greatest hits that was recorded during this era. It's a demo from 1991 called "Fire in the Hole," which is about my mom and Scott. You know, somehow <laughs> I don't. Know. And um, yeah, did she get rid of that chlamydia? Dude, it'd be a better time. I know, right, right, Scott. Yeah. Scott, <laughs> can I ask you a favor? What, make sure she douches next time before you hit it? No, I, I, I just was wondering if you can just shut up for the rest of the show. <laughs> All right, so uh, Fire and Hole, I don't know if you guys ever heard this one, but demo nah. uh, for this album, I, it's on the 40 Seasons Greatest Hits. I think right. it's a badass tune. Would have loved for it to be properly recorded and replace creep show with this catchy there are some elements on the first album and slaves to the grind on the song a little bit of both albums you can kind of hear under the song and uh it's fucking it, it is uh very catchy there is a line on it that says uh uh lackey miss wacky something like that i was like okay you know i wish they would have replaced that stupid line but i think it's a really fun song it's a fun tune and uh and I understand Sebastian Bach hates it because he was really upset that it ended up on that because he was like, in an interview I heard him talk about how uh, that song wasn't even finished and they just threw it on there. And, and it does kind of sound like unfinished, but it does have a great flow and it's a fun and it's a very catchy song, but 
Yeah, it's, you can tell it's a demo, too. It's not really properly finished. And this album was recorded here in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where my buddy went and hung out with Skid Row and filmed them. And I have that video of them hanging outside the studio, which is cool because Sebastian Box out there talking about Merciful Fate, which I thought was pretty fucking cool. Well, it was it was recorded there and in L.A. Okay. They recorded, yeah, I, they, recorded they recorded part of it there and they recorded part of it in L.A. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks, 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 Terrence. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, boss, since you're our guest, is there anything else you would like to say to sum up your opinion on this album? Um, like I said, man, overall the album's a great album. Um, I do think that the way that the track listings went, that it kind of it, it kind of you know starts you out really like you know heavy and you're eager to fucking just you know kind of thrash around a little bit but i think that in the end of the album it just lets you down um it goes back into the perspective of their first album and i i really wish they would have kept that 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 whole that whole fucking dirty nasty just they were on the verge of they were on the verge of thrash right there you know with the with with the with the singles um, you know, Monkey Business and Slave to the Grind, they were they were so on that verge. And it really surprises me that they didn't keep it going that way because a lot of what Sebastian Bach does today, you'll see him on stage with Hatebreed, you'll see him on stage with a lot of a lot of hardcore bands and different things like that, which tells me he wanted to keep the band going more on that edgier side. Um, but you know, like I said, it, it just lay, it, it, it starts you good, and then it just fucking laser in the end. All Why right. that metal show, dude? <laughs> uh, if you really want to know, the, that the reason it came up was because I was at TMR, and I got tired of the guy uh, threatening to close the station down constantly. You know, and he would get pissed off. He was constantly saying, "Oh, I'm gonna fucking close the station," blah blah blah. So. I went in and it was a it was a quick you know quick think. Hey man, that metal station because we wanted to be a metal station, and we thought it you know was you know point that you know that metal station we're going to give you metal, which it's evolved and you know hey man we've got some classic rock we've got some hard rock you know and we do the metal you know we 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 I, I we've got one DJ that'll play fucking head PE and shit and I gotta fucking get him to stop. But for the most part, we keep it, you know, what was considered metal. And it was my replacement in getting ready for somebody that kept losing the love for the music, the, the love for the station, and kept threatening everybody to take it away. And, you know, I just grabbed it real quick, that metal station. Um, and I also grabbed Devil Music Radio, which I really wanted to make it Devil Music Radio because, you know, how many times did you hear it growing up? Uh, that fucking Devil Music, that Devil Music constantly over and over and over again. And we, you know, obviously we've talked about, you know, maybe changing the name, but after two two years, it's hard to change, just change the name and, you know, restart over. Yeah, but we could, you could make people buy that many more t-shirts by changing the name. That's true. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and take your wife's, uh, take your wife's lead. Like, she changed your name to Tony. I mean, I could call it Ralph's. Yeah, I like oh, the wait, there's, a, there's, there's a grocery store called Ralph's. Never mind. That's right. Yeah. All righty. Uh, Ralph, you got anything you want to say in summary? Oh, yeah. In su- summary, this album, Slate to the Grind Skid Row. Now, in retrospect, uh, 
when I think of this album, I think about my small little dick and Scott's wife uh, laughing at it. That's oh, where I think of this album. Hey, at least he realizes this. At least he realized. I'm funny. Only I get it. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, uh, yeah, I don't mind this album. Uh, I do think it's it's a tad overrated because a lot of people are like, oh man, they jump on this compared to the other ones. Uh, I'd have to say if you go song for song, I, I probably uh, would definitely pick Subhuman Race over this. I would too. Uh, but but there, there are some tracks that I love, and there's some, some tracks that I don't love. Uh, I think it's unfortunate that out of the 12 songs, there's three ballads, which is seven less than Chinese Democracy, so it's not that bad. But uh, it, it leaves a little to be, uh, you know, desi- There you talk about that, that, that perfection of an album. All right. All right, we'll get into that for a second, but... I just want to bring up an interesting point. Just to show you, and, and what Ian said earlier is so fucking correct. When you look back on Skid Row now, in this day and age, you make a fucking poll, everybody's going to pick Play for the Grind as their best album. Every, I mean, not everybody, but it's going to get a majority of the vote. Where Ian and I like Subhuman Race more, but the first album sold more, but the first album was all chicks. You know what I'm saying? After after Slave to the Grind, you have to obviously admit that most people kind of fell away from Skid Row. Only the hardcore Skid Row fans stuck around for the other albums. Um, Even myself, I fell away from Skid Row. I don't know a lot of their later albums after, uh, you know, besides me, um, because I fell out of them. You know, they they, they just, I started finding a different style of music. I found something that was heavier, more edgy. So, obviously, if you put a poll out, you're going to have people say Slave to the Grind because it was they're going to remember those two songs, Slave to the Grind and Monkey Business, and obviously the couple of fucking ballads. But nobody's going to remember Beggar's Day. Nobody's going to remember fucking Psycho Love. I mean, unless you bring it up to them. Your wife's a whore. <laughs> All right. This was produced by Michael Wagner. <laughs> Debuted at number one. And, uh, you know, there was a big deal about this going to number one. Uh, At the time, it was considered the first album to debut at number one. Of course, this came out before um, the Black album. Uh, And at the time, was the heaviest one to debut at number one till Pantera with Far Beyond Driven. Uh, But in terms of sales, I I mean, double platinum is unheard of in these days. But it was no match for the debut album. Um... Like I said, but it it took a long time for this album to go double platinum though as well. No, no, no. It no, went it, 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 it went double plat it went double platinum quick, but then it fell off. Uh, it didn't go double platinum until 1998. Um, that's they they shipped two million copies in 1998. That's the reason it went double platinum. I do understand this album is now out of print. Okay. Alrighty. Well, let's go into pick of the week. And uh, Scott, since you're our guest and you can't pick Rouse Mother, give oh, us God. pick of the week. And you're, and you're leaving me out with nothing. Um, pick of the week off the top of my head uh, for an album that what I've been mean, what do you mean a top? Long... What do you mean top top of your head? You didn't have one. You didn't take this well, seriously. 
No, I take it seriously. Top of the top of my head, the the, the album that I've been ripping the most here lately is uh, Circle of Indifference, uh, their new album uh, at War. Uh, really, really great album. It's it's got a perspective of World War uh, World War Two, uh, and happy album is perspective of an English uh, of an English soldier, and the other perspective is the uh, perspective of a German soldier. Um, really great album that I really think people should check out. Like I said, uh, it, it's more of a it's it's more of a um, um, concept album, but it's really really good, really heavy. Um, the great thing about this band is they they don't know each other. Uh, there's one writer, and then he he sends off to different musicians around the world, and they've never met face to face just over the internet. And for that to happen with such this album and being so good, it's just amazing that they could pull it off like they did. Are there any ballads for the ladies? Uh, no ballads on this album. Not one fucking ballad at all. Dude. It, this it, is a very very heavy album. Is it is it Cookie Monster vocals? Uh, it's, it's Ralph, it's Ralph vocals. Yeah, but I can, I can understand what Ralph's saying. You can understand what he's saying. Uh, um, it's not like, it's not like you're, uh, I mean, it's more, it's got that, that guttural. Yeah, it's got that guttural feel to it, but you can actually understand what the, what he's singing. Okay. Well, can you give me an example of the vocals? Yeah. Um, no, because I don't sing. Uh... Alrighty, well, uh, re- repeat that again. What's the name of the band? Circle of Indifference. The album is called At War. Alrighty. Uh, Ralph, how about you? No, you go. <laughs> Alright, uh, my pick of the week is an album that I listened to a lot the first week and then kind of just didn't listen to for years, uh, but li- been checking out a lot lately, and that's Slayer Christ Illusion. Uh, there was a lot of hype around it. You know, it was the return of Dave Lombardo, you know, and, and the classic lineup of Slayer. Uh, but what what I did with this is what I, you know, quite honestly, I do with a lot of new releases by classic artists. You know, I listen to it a lot for like about two weeks, and then I always end up going back and listening to the shit I've been listening to for years. Much like uh, the Megadeth album. Man, when that first came out, I played the shit out of it, but I haven't listened to it in months. Because uh, I always find myself going back to peace cells or, you know, you know, killings of my business, shit like that. But I started listening to this a lot recently. I was like, man, it's even better than I remember. Like, at first I liked it, but of course it, it wasn't Rain and Blood Part 2. But, man, I've been listening to it a lot the last week. And, like, man, I, I shouldn't have gave up on it so quick. And uh, I've been enjoying a lot of uh, songs like Jihad and Cult and, and Eyes of the Insane uh, Black Serenade, uh, really enjoyed a lot, uh, a huge Slayer fan, and, and, uh, if, if you don't know the album, or you kind of dismissed it at first, uh, ask y'all to go back, give it another try, and, and see if your opinion changes, uh, big fan of it myself, Slayer Christ Illusion, that is my pick of the week. Great album, uh, and I got a question for you since you brought up Slayer, and I'd like to get you both, both of your opinions, um, uh, Tom is talking about leaving Slayer, and Kerry King is talking about continuing on Slayer. Do you stay on the Slayer bandwagon with a new singer? Uh, well, my my first gut reaction would be no, no way. You know, no Tom Araya, no Slayer. Uh, but you know, if you would ask me years ago uh, if I would listen to him without Jeff Hanneman, and I would say no. 
Uh, I mean, I mean, as long as they don't get Sammy Hagar, I mean, I'll give anything a fucking chance. You, you know, my, my initial reaction would probably be one of disappointment, but I would have to hear it. But if you ask me point blank, that that would be like Kiss without Gene or Paul. You know, like, like I mean, Tom Tom Araya is the voice of Slayer. Uh, so initially, no, but I mean, hey, if it if it was good, but. I, I really don't see it, and I would almost rather see him uh, pack it in than, than, you know. But I would I would have to be honest and listen to it. Yeah, that's how I would be. I'd be like, uh, let me hear what you can do without Tom Araya, and then I'll make up my mind. Yeah, but, but if, if Slayer puts out Love's Walking In, you know, I'm like, no, gone. I don't think I'll do that. You know. But, um... All right, my pick of the week uh, is my favorite band of all time, Black Sabbath. Yeah! The original lineup. <clears throat> I've been listening to this album a lot lately. It's the unofficial, official live album called Live at Last. Released in 1980 after Ozzy left the band. It was not authorized by the band, but since they got ripped off a lot in the early days, uh, their past managers, whoever the fuck, released it. It was an album back in the day that was supposed to be released as a live album, but the band shot it down because they did not like the recording. I fucking love it. I think it's raw, and I'm not a big fan of 100% live albums, but this one's a 100% live album. And uh, boy, man, last, uh, I was in my car like about, I don't know, about a month or so ago, and I had my shit on shuffle. And Wicked World came on, the, the, that live at last version, which lasts about 30 minutes with the great guitar solo and the killer drum solo and little Super Nault in there. And, you know, and then that, sometimes I'm happy, sometimes I'm sad, that fucking weird song. I think it's called Sometimes I'm Happy. Um, it's just such a loose, fucking great, I believe it is. Volume four, even though they do play "Killing Killing Yourself to Live," but I don't think that album was out yet. Right. Um, but God, I love that album. I love "Live at Last." Uh, I just recently put on the vinyl the other day because of that thing that happened in my car the other day. The man, let me play, you know, the vinyl, and I played it, and I'm like, "Holy fuck, is this really good?" I mean, it's so awesome how every song starts with feedback from Iomi, like turning up the volume knob of his guitar, like. <laughs> Then it goes into the song. I, mean, I don't know. It's just there's such a, it's such an unorthodox, fucking live album, but yet, it it, it works. It's it, to me, it's very original sounding for a live album because it is raw and untouched, but yet, it's not like any other live album. I think it uh, stands up and it's, and I love how Ozzy screams cocaine. Right, and and for people who might might not know. Uh... You can get it now with a little bit better sound quality as part of the of uh, the past lives. Uh, live yeah, album. and I and I'm really I, I really what really pisses me off about past lives though is this two or whatever the other disc is is because you know they they use just a couple songs from Asbury Park, which is one of the best Black Sabbath shows ever. Oh, uh, great, uh, great bootleg. Yeah, the Sabotage show, and they use some of the Paris show which is another amazing, you know, live recording. And they only like, you know, a couple songs here and there from those albums, which is kind of lame. 
but it does have the whole live at last, which is cool. And uh, but to me, man, I mean, since I've owned this shit since 1980, it has to be that Moon fucking album cover, man. I, I just love that album. And then the album itself has like a live shot of the band from the back of them. And I love it. I love fucking. Actually, it's the same picture that's in uh, Volume Four if you open it up. I love uh, Live at Last. It's an amazing, and it is my favorite Black Sabbath live album. Thank you. All right. Well, now we go into Fan of the Week. And Fan of the Week, uh, this week at the time of recording, we don't know when this episode will air, but uh, he, he seems to be a newcomer on the page, but has been very active, and his name is Michael Fell. And uh, Michael joined the page, and... I'm starting to see shit daily from this guy. Not only commenting, but actual posts. And, and and that's what I love, man. I mean, we have so many members on the page. But, you know, we have this cult following that are there every day. And now Michael has become part of that family. And we thank you. And that's what we look for a fan of the week. Somebody who participates. Somebody who shares and becomes part of this dysfunctional family. As you can tell by this episode. So you got a gold you got a gold medalist winner? That's right. Feld, dude. Feld, not Phelps. But I'm sure this guy <laughs> smokes dope too, if he listens to us. <laughs> Alright, well Michael Feld, you are our fan of the week, uh, and we thank you very much. And uh, let's get into the plugs, shall we? Alright, let's get into the plugs. Earpeeler, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulik, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sim Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addict, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks Podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. 
Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. UK time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. (laughs) Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast. Hey, 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 it's me, Phil Wang. Make sure you listen to the Dr. Fox Show Thursdays, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And of course, the replay Sundays, 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on thatmetalstation.com. Bam! Hello, this is Lee Gerstman. And I listen to a show called Wadzilla Rock. It's on a station called thatmetalstation.com. I love the show. Ian Wadley does music heavy rock from when I was younger up until now. And he's got an extensive bunch of cool shit that he plays. And I love pumping my dog in memory to those tunes. Check it out on Saturdays, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. That is Wadzilla Rock on thatmetalstation.com. Thank you. Check out the Tuesday Night Thrash Bash with my co-host, Dallas Jordan. 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you came here looking for this, or perhaps this, God forbid this. I hopped up the plane at LAX with a dream my cardigan. A whole lot of that. And you're in the wrong motherfucking domain. Because all you're going to get here is a whole lot of this. Right here at thatmetalstation.fuckingcom. Alright, well, if you enjoyed this uh, crazy episode here. You think, you think anybody did actually here? Scott did. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, you know, I love this part of the segment because you're going to talk about who's going to be on next week's show, and the good part about it, it won't be Scott. Oh, oh, but but it is part of the Scott family because next week is the brand new station manager at oh. that metal station. Oh, oh that putts. Case. Yeah, I, no, no. Before he comes on the show, I want him to write as a bio. <laughs> Well, I'm sure he will, and it'll be uh, quite legendary, because next week will be new station manager, Casey Kasem. And, yeah. he, 
and he wants to review Warren's debut, Dirty, Rotten, Filthy, Stinking Rich. Yeah, something Scott will never be. <laughs> Tune in next week for that long-distance dedication. Hey, hey, Scott, you still there, bro? Yeah, I'm here, you dick. Yeah. Yeah, dude, good show, huh? You like being on our uh, show, buddy? Yeah. Uh, It depends. Fuck off, dude. That's next week on that. that you know what? I don't want the show to end. I, I want to keep going. I want to talk to Scott here. Let's talk. Let's let's let's, let's talk to Scott here, man. I want to I want to pick his little brain. You want to pick my little brain, huh? Okay, well, yeah, I'll like, just my like, fly, I, I'll unzip my pants for you. Oh, that, that that's your little brain. Hey, man. You know. Hey, man. I I don't claim to drag the ground. Neither does your wife. I know, I know. It's it, you know what, it, it, my 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 dick's my dick's not like your ego. It's not overinflated. That is true. Well, at least I have a reason to have an ego. You came up with that metal station. That's right. I it, came it, up with what? genius shit like Thrash or Die. Oh, <laughs> I know, I know. Where 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 was you at that tour on Europe? Oh, uh, what 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 song have you written? I've written several songs. Here oh, can I hear? Can I hear any of them? Uh, no, I don't have any recordings. Exactly. No, of course not. Who the fuck would fucking want to record that shit? Yeah, nobody. Because <laughs> you suck. <laughs> You're an asshole. That's what? next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. If it wasn't for us assholes, you shits wouldn't be here. Oh my god, dude! Keep 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 blowing it up, dude. One day it's gonna fucking leave stretch marks. <laughs> Was that you laughing in, or, or was that Scott? I'm sorry, I got gas. Okay. <laughs> I want this no. show to keep going on. <laughs> I, 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 I do love you guys, man. Yeah, right. I do. Yeah, of course you do. I mean, why wouldn't you? I'd love people, too, if they fucking gave me money. Yeah, I'm telling you. I, I mean, I didn't get a post today from somebody wearing a Rock and Metal Podcast t-shirt. I got a post of somebody wearing a That Metal Station t-shirt today. Well, the rock and metal combat was in the back of it. Uh, it might have been. It might have been because you know. I mean, that's where that's where that's where we keep Ralph is in the back. Well, Ralph and Ian. Ian's part of the show too. Hello. No, Ian, Ian's in front. Oh, oh. So you put me in the back, and Ian in the front. <laughs> that metal well, station. That's right. That metal station, the only station you'll ever fucking need. Hey, man, wait a minute. You know what? You could be on one of these shitty stations that doesn't have an app, doesn't doesn't push you guys, and all that good stuff. And Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What is that I, I have in the app? I have a link to the Rock and Metal po- Combat podcast page. Oh, that's right. So you can download it easily off the app. Oh, that's right. I thought about you guys because I love you guys. Hey Scott, how cool is it that when you when when you go when you play the Rock and Metal Combat podcast on that metal station, nobody listens? I don't know. I, you got to ask yourself that. How long are you gonna keep playing this damn show on your podcast? On your on that metal I, actually, actually, I was watching it the other day and there was five people listening. Five people. Five oh my god, fucking people, record. man! I, I I think they I think they thought it was Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> that was pretty good. Now you're funny when the show's over. <laughs> now you pick to be funny. 
Oh my god, I, I, I can't be funny. I can't be funny without. I know that right there. I'm editing that. I can't be funny. <laughs> I'm just gonna continue to play that. I can't be funny. It's gonna be my that's gonna be my ringtone on Ralph's phone. I can't be funny, but Ralph, you're funny when you take your pants down and my wife sees your little dick. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I can't wait to come down there and see you. What a homo! No, no, I actually want to. I actually want to see my wife laugh for once. Yeah, I know, but no, no, Scott, Scott all serious, dude. Just without all the bullshit, you know. I really do hate you. 